T-minus 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Tower cleared. Here we got a roll program. And as Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life to be here. Hello, everyone. This is Sinead Willihan on July 17th, 2021, and we're here with another wonderful interview for you. This tonight is another special event regarding China and Chinese ufology. There's a great deal going on over there. It doesn't often get out to us because of control the Chinese government has and other issues, stigma and so on. But uh, tonight we have a very, very important guest and also his translator who's equally becoming equally important, it seems. She's gaining her own voice in the community. So we are here to interview Mr. Jin, Mr. Jinping Zhang, or Zhang, sorry, I should be pronouncing it better. He is a very famous ufologist, UFO researcher in China. He has been known for investigating UFO crashes, believe it or not. Uh, he is in contact with the Chinese government. He is in contact with beings who are from Canis Major, the Canis Major, Major constellation. He gets information from them and he's able to share it um, in, with other people in the community. So there is a lot of exciting information that's going to come from him. It is a pleasure and an honor to have his hand here with us today. And we also have with us his translator, Amy. Uh, she is also a personality in the field. We're going to be doing a different interview with her, so I won't go too far into that right now. She's serving as translator tonight, but I just wanted to give her that recognition. So, Mr. Zhang and Amy, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. It is really an honor to have you here. Thank you. I'm very honored to be here. And uh, let me translate first. Zhang 老师他们讲到首先介绍了一下您就是您是在这个UFO研究领域非常知名的一个研究者专门研究这个坠毁的事件以及和中国的政府保有一个很好的联系另外您就是主要是和东升星球的人也有一个直接联系会提供非常多非
。那张老师，就他首先想要问一些关于。So back in the third year of my junior high school in China, I read a magazine called the UFO dis, uh, UFO discovery, something like that. So in 1980s, the whole decades, uh, there the magazine is about uh recover uh, covered some sightings and also some crashes and experiences in the UFO community. And uh, uh, back then, the magazine didn't cover much about sightings or experiences in China. It's mostly about Cases in other countries outside China. So in the early days, I started to become very interested. Third year of my junior high, I become interested, and uh, later I went to Beijing to further my studies with the increasing of my knowledge in this field. And also, there's a very public craze about UFO uh, back in 1980s. After 1980s, so it's a very public interest about UFOs. I. Depend, kind of depend on my interest in this community and started to do research on these topics. And later, I joined some organizations to study, uh, to investigate some sightings, and also to explore some of the topics uh, from different series perspectives. Yeah, to study different series about UFOs, and that's how it started. Just because I'm interested in any anything that's mystery. Yeah, mystery. Wow. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so a curiosity, a combination of curiosities and personal experiences, and then also public events that motivated him or validated his experience to continue on the path.、Um, so, what? How did he get to the point that he is now? Because he really has become quite public and is in a very interesting position, right? Where he's communicating with the Chinese government and also. Uh, with these beings from Canis Major and kind of delivering information back and forth, if I'm not mistaken, I wanted to ask him about that aspect of it. How did he get to a point where he was able to be in a position to have that kind of dual relationship on both sides like that? That's quite an amazing、mm. position to be in. Yeah. Okay. Okay.、Uh, after. Uh... Uh, looking back, I actually realized that they were aliens. <laughs>、uh, not at the beginning, because you know I had contact with、uh, Kenneth Major. Actually, turned out to be Syrian people, Syrian aliens. I didn't really expect they're they are they are aliens. I just thought they were some teachers and some masters from the invisible worlds, and I talked to them. So it's actually the second year after I started my research on UFO. I think it's nineteen ninety one. You know, I've been studying this for thirty. Years till now, and it's the second year、uh, of my study.、Uh, I started to gradually realize they were like aliens. I started to channel messages from them back then, but didn't really、uh, know what what was really going on. So I asked these、uh, teachers about my life, about technology. I even invited them to. Mitigate some earthquakes. Then, so、uh, I anticipated some earthquakes、uh, going to happen in 1995 in Tokyo,、uh, and then I asked them to mitigate the effects of the earthquake. So, actually, my contacts started right before、um, I started my interest in UFO community, but I didn't re really realize that already happens. So, I channel information with them. It's like channeling process. I interacted with them, but I didn't realize that until between like 1991 to 2012. So,、uh, among all these years, I gradually started to realize they are not they were not gods or anything else. They were just aliens. That's all. So, now, 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 now,
Okay, so it's not just my personal interest. It's actually the arrangement or the plan by the aliens. Somehow they have uh, they have had a plan for future connections. They connected everything already. Uh, when right before it happened, you know, the, everything is already connected and plans. So the important thing is that uh, uh, I connected with them, and also they kind of helped me to change myself or change other people's as well. So when it all started, it wasn't just uh, out of curiosity, but also because of their plan. And because of their plan, I have devoted much of my time, effort, and money into this community. And uh, I would say that aliens did play a very important role in the whole thing. They were like directors of the movie or something. Wow. Okay. So I just want to ask, um, what was, if he can tell us, what is his memory of the first time that this contact occurred? And can he describe, you know, how old was he? It sounds like he was in high school or he was quite young. So, um, you know, how old was he and where was he and how did it happen? Like, did, did they appear before him? Did he hear a voice? Did he, what was the experience and what was that like for him? If he can detail that for us. Sure. Sure. So when I started the investigation in the UFO community, I at first I only uh, thought that the contact can only happen physically, but later it turned out to be untrue. Actually, the contact can happen in, on a spiritual level. So uh, when people ask me whether you have a contact aliens at first, you know, in the very beginning, I will shake my head. I will say no. Uh, but it turned out I've been contacting them for a long time uh, because sometimes you can't really see them physically, but you can get information from them. So looking back, I only realized that when I was in like starting from 1991, I was 22 years old. I think that happened yeah, in that year uh, when I was studying in Beijing and I started to get information uh, basically through a channeler. It's not really myself. I started to get information uh, from them but through a channeler. And it's a lady and lady helped me to channel information from uh, from these aliens. So I didn't really have face-to-face -face contact with these aliens. I just get information from them. So. So it's not really a physical context. Uh, it's just, you know, on a spiritual level happened, on a spiritual level. Okay, interesting. And, and actually that, uh, that helps me jump into the next question, which is that, um, you know, we're aware that in China, the idea of spirituality and the idea of religion is, is very tightly uh, managed, right? And there's a very specific way that people are supposed to practice either one of those things. There's not a lot of freedom. So it was interesting to me earlier when he said, oh, uh, maybe about five minutes ago, 10 minutes ago, um, prior to me asking that last question, when he said, oh, I had just assumed that I was receiving guidance from the invisible world, you know, and he said it to me, it sounded, it came across as if he was just casually assuming that there was this invisible world. So I'm wondering where did that come from? Because that sounds like he already has this sense of spirituality that doesn't come from the, what is currently being prescribed in China, but was kind of already a bit more esoteric for him, you know, just on his own. So I'm wondering where, sure. where that sense came from. You know, he, he was just like, oh, there's just teachers in the invisible world. And then later on realized that they were aliens, but was still just comfortable with this idea that he was receiving teachings from invisible people in an invisible world. So what made him comfortable with that idea? Where did that concept come from for him? 
this might be very hard to explain because I maybe I already had a concept somehow like there there will be some intelligence intelligent life forms that are more like smarter than ours smarter than human beings and more intelligent than human beings maybe I already had that concept already but you know after all these years of UFO investigation I am I was more focused on like the physical evidence of UFO contact so I didn't really take my spiritual contact very seriously or I didn't even realize that contact at all but after all you all these years of uh, investigation after gradual realization I realized that this is um, spiritual contact you know the beings from the invisible world is very very important or even more important uh, from other contacts that's all well I mean we absolutely are, are uh, in agreement with you about that you know Grant and I both feel that it is definitely not a physical issue it may be appearing that way or presenting itself to be as if it is that way but it is not it is, it is so obviously you know more and more obviously at least to us uh, a spiritual issue that is about consciousness so before we get into that because we do want to ask him what his thoughts are on, on uh, the issue of consciousness and ET contact specifically I do want to just focus a little bit on the physical aspect of it, just in terms of asking him his opinion on the recent UAP report that the United States government put out, uh, the one that everyone was eagerly, eagerly waiting for. And, you know, many people who are leaders in the community were not that impressed with the report. Other people loved it. So we're curious what he thinks about that, about that report specifically. Okay, so there are two questions, right? One on consciousness yes. uh, in the ET. Okay, so <laughs> good. Uh, okay. Uh, about the UAP reports, I think the United uh, United government kind of were uh, is a force to release information on this uh, on this topic because uh, this report I remember is uh, tied to the what three two point three trillion if I remember correctly budget bill right so they were kind of forced to do this thing to release report because uh, the time is uh, here and uh, there's nothing they can do to to postpone that so it's a quite a major I personally think it's a quite major progress for U.S. government because they released 144 cases and only one case, uh, 1%, which is 1% of the 144 cases is misidentified, they said. So uh, both the Air Force and Navy, all these departments, all, all these uh, organizations, they use different technology like infrared, all the kinds of images to, to kind of uh, identify these cases as as you know, cases that can not be explained. So relatively, I think it's a quite a big progress compared to 1969, the project, uh, Blue Book, uh, Blue Book projects. Because back then, 12,168 cases were like reported by the projects, but uh, 701 cases uh, were mentioned to be like, be, uh, has been excluded outside the UFO possibility. So like 5% of the cases have been uh, mentioned as misidentified. So it's quite a progress for US government to say so uh, in the you know, recent UIP report. And um, also some high, uh, high level government officials said that kind of started a conversation between uh, the public or in the governments that these uh, flying aircraft could be 
you know, technology that is outside these worlds. It could be like 200 years or 1,000 years away or more advanced than our current civilization. They didn't really say that very um, clearly or abruptly. They just kind of hinted the possibility of that. So they really started a conversation, a good conversation. Also in China, we have a similar term like UAP, uh, something like UAS, you know, like an identified aerial situation, something like that. We also have similar discussions and coverage about this UAP reports. And we all say it's a very big progress for US government to release this report, that's all. Wonderful, thank you. Thank you very much for that answer. And I'm also going to jump over to, uh, uh, from what you just said to the fact that almost around the same time as the report was released, Gwant has just remind, reminded me of this in, in our chat here, um, almost around the same time that that UA port report was released, there was a video taken of a humongous black triangle uh, hovering over Shanghai, kind of in a cloudy sky. The clouds are seen below the black triangle. The person who's taking the video pans around and shows us that it's occurring below or above Shanghai. So Xiao uh, Ma, who we spoke with yesterday, was saying that she feels that would be a very difficult video to fake. And um, we wanted to ask you what you thought, uh, Mr. Zhang, of the recent videos that have come out. Let's just use the recent videos as an example. You know, do you feel that they are being released when after they're being authenticated, such as this black triangle? Or do you feel that we, you still need to be very careful in China um, when evaluating those videos? Because it seems that the Chinese government may be also releasing some of them. Uh, which is sort of interesting. So we're wondering basically, you know, how controlled is this narrative? And that's one part of my question, but also specifically the black triangle over Shanghai that was seen around the date of the UAP report being released. Do you feel that that's legitimate? And what are your comments on that specific video? Uh. Okay. So uh, I will answer the question about the triangle first, the black triangle in Shanghai. Uh, right now, you know, the self-media is quite popular. You know, people always started their own media to gain popularity. So it can be fake. Sometimes the videos can be fake to just gain popularity uh, only by investigating people who have experienced, directly experienced this phenomenon can you verify certain things. So only by videos online posted by people you don't know, uh, it's not really enough to verify verify whether this case is real or not. Uh, so in some cases, I do find out um, some cases turn out to be faked. Uh, some videos are faked to just gain traffic online, to gain popularity. Well, um, the Chinese government's take of uh, UIP UFOs, actually, I think the same purpose for China to study this uh, as, uh, you know, the same as United States and and US government, because United States in 1940s, after 1940s, uh, they started to do study on UAP phenomenon because they started to worry about their national security. They wanted to know whether this uh, UFP phenomenon is a very major risk for their national security. It's the same thing for China, but just happened really late in 1990s. China started really relatively late and uh, left far behind compared to United States in this area. So in 1990s, there were lots of UFO or UAP uh, sightings or um, cases or incidents happened there that's why started uh, that's why Chinese government started only then to you know started to 
investigate in these cases. Um, investigate these cases because they worry that they will pose a very serious national security risk. So it's the same purpose for Chinese government to do this kind of investigation as similar as United States governments. Yeah, that's all. Okay. Uh, when I started my investigation in this field, at, fir at first I thought most of the contacts were physical contact, but later I realized uh, that more contacts were actually uh, spiritual contact. It's uh, not really physical, it's not face-to-face. -face. So when I started to uh, have contact with uh, tennis major, you know, Syrian people, I found these uh, kind of experiences <clears throat> turned out to be very beneficial and useful. Back in 1995, in May, the end of May, some people back you know, people with abilities, they kind of predicted uh, an earthquake was going to happen in Japan. So I, I heard that news and I started to contact people from Syria, my, my you know, spiritual leader, spiritual teacher. And uh, they, uh, you know, back then in January that year already, there's an earthquake already happened in Japan, in a city, which caused uh, 5,000 people, 6,000 people dead in a very major earthquake. So I worried a lot. So I asked my spiritual leader uh, some information about earthquakes. So they gave me information about three earthquakes, uh, which are like maybe going to happen in Japan later. In May 25th, I got information that May 25th, uh, Japan, uh, in Tokyo, right? Oh, actually, yeah, the one that really happened, May 25th in Tokyo, 7.5 magnitude earthquake happened. And also they, I will send information to them to help, uh, I asked them to transfer some earthquakes to some, somewhere else to cause less harm. So I believe the, they have helped me to transfer the earthquake from Japan to Russia, which caused 2000 people that, one second, just, it's a theory. Okay, so I uh, kind of asked them to help me to transfer the, the, to mitigate effects of earthquakes by transferring them. Because if it were to happen in Japan, it will cause, it will cause a lot more deaths, uh, like uh, 80,000 deaths and uh, 200 billion worth of uh, GDP something. So I believe they chose lesser harm by lesser harm by transferring that earthquake to a less populated area. So recently I will also, uh, recently I will also ask information about them, uh, ask information from the, about earthquakes that may have in mainland China or Taiwan or Japan as well. So I will continuously, continuously ask them about earthquake information. Yeah, that's how my contact happens. Thank you very much. Yeah, we are definitely, I mean, Grant is already in the process of reaching out to uh, people in Japan and Korea, and we'd like to continue because the, these really are voices that need to be heard. And even though we do have the internet and, you know, we all are connected through the internet, that doesn't mean necessarily that all the information reaches everyone. So it is definitely very important to make these connections. Um, so we wanted to ask, well, actually, this is kind of a, a lighter question here, but just because we were talking about the triangle craft in Shanghai, um, I'm just noticing that Mr. Zhang has on a very interesting t-shirt. And just for viewers who are listening and not watching, he's got a, a symbol, a sort of interesting symbol on the front of his t-shirt that is made up of circles and triangles. Um, so I'm making the jump from the triangle craft to the triangles on his t-shirt. But I'm just wondering if he can explain that symbol. Does it have specific meaning for him? Uh, and if so, what? Okay. Oh, he specifically chose this uh, t-shirt for this show. And also he chose other t-shirts as well. 我就我就我就我就选择了这个啊，就是
做人给咱们节目这个做节目的时候穿的这个 T 恤衫，呃，就是感觉呃有点意思啊，呃，因为衫。Oh, you know about T-shirt? You know it means the outstanding in Chinese. You know the shirt, the the translation of shirt means outstanding. So I kind of prepare that. So about Syrian people, uh, Syrian civilization is about 8.6 light years away from Earth. And、uh, I guess that they turn to use asteroids to mark some of the disasters that that are going to happen. In 1976,、uh, in uh, I think four months between a major earthquake happened in Tangshan. Four months before that, it's actually eighth of、um, uh, March in Jilin Province, you know, the northern northeastern part of China. That province. There was an asteroid ring happened there. I think it was a sign for me to.、Uh, they kind of reminded me that something major is going to happen.、Uh, in 2004, 26 of December, the tsunami, the very major tsunami, happened in Indonesia. Thirty-three、uh, hundred、uh, people died in that、uh, tsunami. I think three months before that, a very big asteroid.、Uh, Passed by, or you know, or crashed into Gansu Province. I think passed by Gansu Province, or maybe crashed as well. So, all these、uh, incidents, all these asteroids,、uh, asteroids are like signs given by Syrian people.、Uh, they specifically gave me signs to alert me of、uh, disasters that were going to happen in the future.、Uh, in 29th of、um, November, I think last year, right? And、uh, there was another asteroid incident, and it kind of reminded me that 15 or 20 to 25 days later, in the southeastern parts of、uh, Japan, another one, another major earthquake was going to happen. I think that Indian boy,、uh, who is very famous on YouTube, Ananda. I don't know how his, his Indian name is pronounced. You know, that boy kind of predicted the same thing using the Indian astrology, something like that. But it didn't really happen because I kind of asked Syrian people to mitigate the earthquake or maybe transfer that earthquake to somewhere else. But you know, some people did predict that、uh, same as me. Last year,、uh, in on 23rd December. Another asteroid, a big one, happened in Qinghai Province, is the western western part of China, Qinghai Yushu. So what's interesting is that the at the crash site, the crashing time is same as my birthday. It's um, it's twenty fifth, it's it's twenty fifth. Oh, sorry, it's seven twenty five. Yeah, it's uh twenty five past seven o'clock. Uh, in twenty third December, I was actually born in nineteen sixty nine. By the time of that crash, it's the same as my birthday. So I kind of use these signs to help me to know these incidents beforehand.、Uh, there were like emails sent by these aliens, these Syrian people, to alert me about incidents ahead、uh, ahead of time. So I will later ask them to mitigate some of the disasters. And they even write reports to some government officials, so that's how I get information from aliens.、Uh, so if you have any questions about these、um, earthquake predictions or my experiences, you can ask any questions.、Mm-hmm. 看看这位女士对这个我联系外星人。Yeah, sorry, I was muted there. Please continue, Mr. Zhang. 
啊、呃，我就是呃，就是看这位女士对我联系外星人给这个地球，呃，这个转移地震能量减灾的这个事儿，她有什么看法？有什么问题？问了我以后，我呃会在后边继续给她介绍这方面的情况，就是实践方面的情况。Okay, so yeah, if you have any questions about my efforts on mitigating these like earthquakes and my experiences, you can ask. Yeah, any questions? Yes, we definitely do want to ask. I mean, in particular, you've been mentioning, Mr. Zhang, your um your investigations and the importance of doing these investigations properly, and the importance of them in terms of um verifying and authenticating sightings that people have and experiences that people have. So,、uh, could you please tell us a story? Uh, you know, something that you have experienced personally during an investigation. Particularly, we'd really love to hear about a UFO crash that you may have investigated. That would be a really incredible story for our audience to hear. But、um, if you'd rather talk about another one, that's okay too. We're just curious about your experience of, of investigating. You know, how has that been for you? And have you been? Have you found that people are willing to talk? Is it a difficult, challenging process to get people to share with you what they have experienced, or is this something that you're able to do? How? How is? What is the process like for you? And if you can focus on the, the UFO crash, that would be wonderful. Hmm. Well,、uh, there, of course, there were lots of UFO sightings and experiences, and sometimes they will also use channelers to initiate contact as well.、Uh, throughout my thirty years of investigation, and find、uh, I, I know a lot of cases.、Uh, the most unique one could be、uh, the one case happened in two thousand and seventeen, December two thousand seventeen. It's actually a soldier in the southern part of China, a veteran. Actually, he's kind of retired right now, but twenty years ago. Uh, before, uh, actually, I kind of interviewed him. This person is interviewing him. He is in 2017, but this incident happened in 2017, 20 years ago, right? Yes, it was in 1997, in the spring. 1997. Okay, so that happened in 1997, December.、Uh, it actually happened in Shanxi Province, Datong, that city. 28th,、uh, the soldier used to be. A driver, yeah, in the military, in the、uh, for the military. So it, when the summer just started that year, one day there was a heavy rain, and、uh, all of a sudden there was a huge bomb.、Uh, at first, he didn't really pay attention to what is going on, but later he went outside to find, you know, some,、uh, you know, toilets on, you know, another compounds. And、uh, later, yeah, when he went outside, he saw these two. Uh, like uh, like the satellite dishes, two satellite dishes stick together. It's about three meters in diameter, and two trees. On、uh, one of the trees, a、uh, two trees were kind of crashed by certain thing by you know UAP UFO. So on one tree there was a human looking being, and on another play uh, uh in front of the crashed UFO there was another being, and the being was still alive. And the being、uh, was kind of waving to him and saying something he couldn't really understand.、Uh, the two beings were very furry,、uh, all over their face and the body, so very furry. And while the being grabbed his hand, I think the being in front of the flying saucer or the flying, you know, identified 
flying objects. So the being grabbed his hand very firmly, seemed like the being was trying to get some help. And back then he was only 17 years old, it's a teenager. And uh, he, like this being said something very strange to him, maybe this being wanted to get some help, but he just ran away to get help from other soldiers because back then that night, there were lots of soldiers stationed there um, to an uh, overnight station there. And these soldiers uh, went together with him to the side carrying guns. Uh, when they saw these saucer, uh, flying saucers and two beings, they were so terrified and scared. They almost fell to the ground, but they didn't say much things. They just told this, uh, this soldier, the first guy who saw this uh, flying craft to back to his like room. And so he fell asleep. He didn't know what's going on afterwards. 后边可以提供你，把这个报告的英文版提供给你啊。Okay，好，我先翻译。嗯，呃，actually this case is not really like one hundred percent verified. It's just a story. Uh, because we do have we do have some evidence to kind of prove that. But actually, I. I, I think it's uh, like a more credible simply because you know this person he's a very credible person this person uh, doesn't seem like a person who lies and uh, you know when that happened it's early in the morning three to four o'clock he heard the car running the lights some lights were outside so on the second day the so all the soldiers were told to stay inside their uh, dorm uh, to stay inside to clean the room they were not allowed to go outside until lunch. So when they go outside, they saw everything like gone. And uh, there were like two trees were there, but the trees were like cut off, left on the ground next to the wall. And all this, so, uh, and then later he asked his leader you know, in the military. And the leader was so shocked that, uh, you know, leader was just realized that this soldier, this little soldier is just the first witness. He's the first witness to everything. Uh, so back then he was only 16 years old, the soldier. Uh, he used some connections to join the military because back then in China, I think still now, you know, 18 years old, you can only allow, you are not only allowed to join the military uh, when you're 18 years old, when you reach 18. But he has some connections. Uh, it's one of his relatives pulled some connections to get him into the military and his relatives told him later to, you know, don't talk about this because, you know, he warned him not to talk about this, otherwise you will lose your job because after retirement, some the military can get a very good job, but uh, if you say something very dangerous, you won't. In 2017, the, that soldier participated or um, appeared in one of the China's TV shows to talk about the possible existence of aliens uh, together with other scientists. So all the scientists are having this, or having this conventional idea that it's impossible for any beings to travel beyond the, light, the speed of light. So that soldier was quite furious. That field soldier contacted me to investigate this case. And I pulled some uh, like files about him through certain departments about his credibility. So I did investigate on him. Turned out he's a quite uh, credible person. He was an outstanding soldier, a credit soldier. And also uh, the, thing, the whole thing, I would say it's a story. It's not really 100% verified, but I did visit his hometown. I visited his military. It's like 28th, called 28th uh, military. Uh, but later you, that military was kind of degraded into a lower level. Uh, I didn't really get any support from the military, of course, but I did visit around, I visited the, the site, the crash site, the alleged crash site. 
And later, I think that place was the security around that place is just strengthened, maybe because of me. So I'm, but I'm pretty sure this guy is quite credible. I would say it's like the Roswell incident in China. And I wrote a report about this case and that report was released in UK. I will later send that link to you. Yeah, that's all. Wow, obviously this soldier is an incredibly courageous person. Um, and that leads me to another part of this, of this whole topic uh, with regard to witnesses coming forward, people speaking up and being able to be open about these experiences. I'm sure there is just as much stigma in China around this topic as there is in any other country of the world. You know, it's not the most uh, comfortable topic for some people to talk about. So how do these stories get to you, Mr. Zhang? Like how, how do you find out about these events so that you're able to go and research them? If people are afraid to talk and obviously there's risk involved for them to come uh, forward and be open about these things, how do you get these stories? How do they arrive in your lap so you can investigate them? Okay. Um, so I would say that uh, there was actually no, not really like a very, tight limit on report on coverage in on the about the UFO phenomenon from the military part in China because they they often see something very very strange and they will report the strange incidents to their like superior to their leaders they may even get approval to report this to some media some magazines back then uh, I will I would say there wasn't really a huge suppress on media coverage about UFO from the military parts. Uh, the most serious case would be a minor punishment, like a executive punishment. It's a very minor one, not major one on the UFO on the military personnel if they do if they do report certain things. Uh, back in 1998, in 18th of October, there was a incident happened in. Tangzhou, a place in the like northern part of China, uh, on a air force base in China. Above the sky, there was a UFO, and <clears throat> pilots were sent out by the military air force to chase this UFO, or one UFO, or two UFOs. UFOs. So the military, there were some people who were responsible for news coverage in the military. Uh, there were also soldiers, so they covered this and also report this to a CPC party newspaper. So both inside China and outside China, I think, um, you know, China is not really suppressing that much about UFO coverage. And also I know this commander from the military and this commander knows uh, some journalists who cover similar cases before. In 1997, January in Northern part of China, there was an operation called uh, 971 operation because it happened you know, in January uh, 1997. So the, the operation is about intercepting UFOs in Zhangjiakou in China. So the military wanted to ambush UFOs because uh, somehow UFOs always appear there. They wanted to use missiles to intercept these UFOs. Uh, and 10 years later, the chief commander of this operation told this uh, on his own media, like self-media online. So you can see that you can see that the Chinese government didn't really suppress this coverage that much. Um, 
sometimes I report these things to high level leaders, including President Xi Jinping, though he didn't reply. But you know, you can report this to military leaders all the time, as long as it's not really that top secret, as long as it's not really that recent, because you have to pass certain time window to release information, you know. So as long as you pass that certain time and it's not top secret, you can report this or even report to media. So I don't think the suppressing, you know, Chinese government is not really suppressing that much as people expected. Um, but the, the worst scenario is I get punishments, minor punishments. That's all. Okay. So so just to clarify, oh. Mr. Zhang is finding the cases that he investigates. He's finding them through sometimes new me news media or reports that are being released by the military. Is that correct? 嗯，就是他想确认一下您获得这些情报，或者说是这个事件知道是通过媒体以及有一些军队的联系，告诉您，对吧？Yeah, because we're curious, like how do you find out? There must be secrecy. There's definitely stigma. So how do you find these stories so that you know where to go to investigate? 您具体就是怎么知道这些事情，然后以及知道，比如说有事件发生在哪里啊，然后你才去调查。就比如说这些事情，什么时候发生发生在哪里，你是怎么知道的？就是他想确认一下。啊，有的是少数是当事人跟我
Okay, thank you very much. And so uh, now I would like to ask you a, a bit more of a personal question, um, because you have been a lifelong experiencer, a lifelong contactee yourself, and um, obviously are very passionate about this topic and very involved, very committed to what you're doing. And you, you feel very strongly that you have a mission, you know, this is the purpose for you in this life. So I'm curious how your own personal experience, this strong personal belief and experience that you have that is driving you in your life to do this work, how does that, how is that perceived by the people who are closest to you in your life, your family, your friends, you know, neighbors, um, how, how, because you're in a, you're in a very interesting position where, you know, you are in an unconventional position in China, and you are quite open about that. You know, it's not something that you have any shame about. You, you believe, obviously, strongly about being open about it. But it is something that's very unconventional. And so I'm and you know, yet you are being public in a conservative environment. So how is this seen by your family and your friends, the people that are the closest to you in your life? Mm. No. Okay. Um, for my friends, well, some of my friends do support me to do research on this and some other people don't support me. They say that I should focus more on my life, my personal life, my economic situation. Uh, for my family members, they at first they supported me to devote my time, energy and money to this area. But later they went against me to do so because I focused too much uh, on, on this area, on this investigation. Well, it's very important for me to uh, help with uh, this whole situation. Uh, first of all, I want to help the Earth to remove some disasters like earthquake, hurricanes, any end of the world scenario. I also, I will record all this data, like predictions and everything. So all the data proved to be, uh, this, these are quite successful, these measures to mitigate earthquakes and other disasters. So after this uh, interview, when this interview finished, I will go to the northeastern part of China to meet my like contact. Uh, I think it's like the channeler to help me to, yeah, it's the channeler to help me to contact with the Syrian people, with Kenneth's major people to about certain cases about my future possible scenarios of uh, disasters. And back in 2014, the Syrian people also asked me to take a, uh, take a, take a job to establish dip diplomatic ties between our people and you know, them, Syrian people. So that's my job to do. That's all. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I'm going to ask one last question. 对, uh... So my question for you is coming from Grant. Um, Grant is having some technological issues, as I was mentioning earlier. So I'm kind of speaking on behalf of both of us right now, even though he's here at the interview. Um, he's going to pop, it, pop in if he can before we finish. So the question coming from Grant is, um, does Mr. Zhang feel that Chinese scientists may have participated in any back engineering of the UFO technology that they have found? And uh, are any of the crafts that we are seeing actually Chinese technology? Because that, of course, is the rumor, right? The, the Chinese can say, oh, it's, it's Russian technology or it's United States technology. The US can say the same about China and Russia. There's kind of a blame game going on, each one pointing at each other and saying it could, it could possibly be from that country, even though China and Russia have a collaborative uh, relationship when it comes to the space program. 
Uh, they're still a sort of, you know, denying of any responsibility. And we on the ground have no idea if that's actually the case or not. So I want to rephrase my question. Does he think that uh, that the Chinese government has participated in any back engineering of UFO technology, but also are any of the crafts that we're seeing Chinese technology? Um. So uh, some some official scientists from China, they definitely are doing research on this um, because there were some, uh, I definitely believe that there are some organizations who will study these uh, cases, but as to what level of reverse engineering, I don't really have any source on that. Uh, but I do believe, you know, this is very, uh, all the alien cases or the UFO cases are of high value to scientific studies. So I'm aware that, I'm only aware that there will be some videos and photos used by the scientists or um, designated by this, uh, you know, governments to, to analyze these videos, to ask the scientists to study these videos and photos. So I don't really know whether the, there are some reverse engineering or not, but I do believe you know, other governments are very clever, definitely will use this to study uh, the technology side and improve their technology. Uh, that's all. Thank you very much, thank you. So we don't wanna take up too much of your time. Um, and usually at the end of an interview, we've been the one asking all the questions. In this case, it's been me asking all the questions. So I wanted to give Mr. Zhang the opportunity to share, uh, just before we say goodbye and thank you, um, the opportunity to share anything that he would like to share, an experience, a story, a message that maybe he'd like the audience to hear, um, anything about his research or his investigations, anything he would like to share that he feels he'd like to express right now. We just want to give him the opportunity to do that before we say goodnight. He doesn't know about your name. It's, uh, yeah. Would you like to introduce yourself to Mr. Zhang? I'm sorry to say that again. I did. I missed. Yeah, that. he doesn't know. Yeah, he wants to know about like you. How 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 do you pronounce your name? Because you know, I think he received the email, but he didn't really you know read any English or know anything about you. Oh, Sorry, I actually more. <laughs> well, it's very kind of him to ask, so say thank you. Um, so my name is Sinead. It's like the Irish singer Sinead O'Connor, if you've heard of her. That's how you say my name. So my family is Irish. I'm the first Canadian in my family, actually. And I'm a lifelong experiencer also and uh, became an assistant to Grant about a year and a half ago. We met through a series of synchronicities and it became obvious that we were meant to work together. So I also feel that uh, this is the most, this is the reason why that I'm, why I'm here. You know, I feel like I finally have woken up to my purpose in this lifetime, just like you do, Mr. Zhang. And so I share your passion and your belief in how important it is to do this work and to share this message. And that's why I'm doing this with Grant. Uh, okay, thank you, Shane, and, and thank you, uh, Grant, for giving me this opportunity. It's good that we communicate uh, about the progress worldwide, uh, and also it's um, you know this topic is about technology and uh, cultural progress as well. And I'm working on like mitigating the harm on humankind, including some disasters and uh, you know COVID. And also um, another job of mine is to uh, serve as a diplomatic ambassador to improve the relationship between you know, humans and aliens. So. It's good to talk, and thank you. Thank you, guys. Oh, it's, it's such an honor to have you here. You know, we just think that your work is absolutely amazing. And, you know, we, we, we really 
admire your passion and your commitment and your courage because uh, again you know regardless of where you are in the country it's a very um stigmatized topic still you know a lot of people are still very uncomfortable with it so we really commend your openness and your commitment it, it must be a really um shining example for other chinese people and i think that your work must be giving them a lot of hope thank you so much and amy i just want thank you to, you were absolutely Amy, oh, you were absolutely amazing. You were amazing. Your turn uh -huh. was incredible. Thank you. And I want to just say to the audience. I'm so happy. Oh, really? Thank you. Like you. I mean, I want to say that you translated the very first exopolitics conference in China. I just want to recognize that as yeah. a major, major achievement. Think, so thank you for the amazing translation you. job you did. And we're very much looking forward to interviewing you as well, which will be coming up in a week or two. So thank you again, Mr. Okay. Tom, so much for, for coming and sharing with us your wisdom wisdom and your experience. We really appreciate it. Can I just okay. add one thing? Um, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Grant. Um, I, yes, I just wanted to add um, uh, my thanks to Mr. Zhang for being a an ambassador from, from China to spread the message so that people here know what's going on inside China rather than hearing rumors and stuff like that. We really appreciate it. Um, you are going to do some interviews. Uh, maybe we can sort of uh, stay in contact if you want to interview Sinead and I. And if you talk with um, Mr. Zhang, if you at any point want to interview somebody in America, I know most of the researchers, if you want to do an interview uh, that you think that China would be interested in hearing, I'm willing to help you. And I had a question, um, uh, Mr. Zhang talked about writing an article for um, uh, Britain. Has he considered doing a book on his experiences? And if so, uh, we would want to maybe try to help him to get his um, his his message out to America. Mm. 是发表了一个报告，对吧？然后以后你要是如果写书的话呢，他也可以帮您这边，比如说在美国去向更多的美国观众知道啊，是这样子。谢谢，谢谢，Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Okay, uh, thank you very much again, and thank you to Sinead for a wonderful interview. Um, it was very well done, and I'm I'm so impressed with the translation. It's very clear. My honor. Do you do it for a living? Do you translate for a living? I used to be a translator, but now I changed my job to a like a. Uh, I manage like social media for certain companies, uh, like uh, like TikTok, Facebook, everything. Yeah, so I okay. kind of changed my Beautiful. job. Wonderful, thank you again, and uh, it's been an honor to speak. And we'll speak again next weekend or on the twenty fifth, whenever that is. And thank okay. you again to Sinead for a wonderful interview. That's this week's episode of the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Cameron, hoping that you will join me for upcoming episodes. Links to my YouTube interviews, books, and my Facebook sites are in the show notes. If you love the podcast, 
or learn something valuable, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on today's episode. If you would like a certain paranormal subject dealt with in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space, and thank you so much for listening.